Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to QA. I'm gonna take my hat off today. <laughs> QA uh, number 100 and um, I don't know where we're at. 171. I need to look at the screen. 172. Look at that. So I hope everybody's doing okay. Now, as you could tell from the uh, the title screen, I know you guys probably have questions and stuff, but uh, we have some stuff to talk about today. I, I, uh, I and one of them was I wanted to talk about Guitar Center. So I went. I'm going to show you the pictures. I went to Guitar Center this week. There you go. This is my Guitar Center by my house. If you look there, you can see the row. I know it's the podcast; people can't see this. But if you're look, if you're listening, it not there's no guitars. <laughs> it looks like a wasteland. And the used section is empty of almost all guitars. And there's rows of chairs. Those stools, I should say, are from the uh, the lesson rooms because the lesson rooms uh, obviously obviously aren't being used. Um, and uh, so, anyways, it's pretty much a wasteland. I took some more. Here's another one. And, uh, and then I took another one and this in itself wouldn't be so bad. Now I want to tell you that I was there on a Saturday and it was uh, relatively busy for that store. It's a smaller guitar store by my house, our guitar center. And it was relatively busy. There was purchases being made. There were people ringing up while I was there. I was trying to purchase some, couldn't find anything uh, with the limited selection for sure. Um, but let me go back. Hold on. Let's go back to, Hey, there's me. And, uh, let me go back. And the reason I, I wanted to share this with you is a couple things. One, uh, you guys, I've got about four emails, which isn't a lot, but four emails saying, Hey, your guys's guitar centers are a wasteland too. They're empty. And, uh, my, uh, my buddies, when I showed them these pictures, not only weren't shocked, they were like, that's what my guitar center over by my house looks like in, in where I live in the Phoenix area. Um, so uh, essentially, uh, it looks like Guitar Center's running out of stock. Now, I know they're running these things where you can bring your uh, stuff and trade it in or sell it to them on Saturdays. I've read some controversial things. I've read some positive things about that. Um, essentially, they're just looking for gear. The reason why I thought I would bring this up is because we are a guitar community, of course, all the way around the world. But here in the States, I know you guys are in every state. And uh, I'm curious to see if your Guitar Center uh, looks like this. Now, unfreaking believable says, how is Guitar Center still in debt? Question mark. Actually, believe it or not, this is brings the second part of this question. Now, I don't like to start rumors, so I always uh, like to said, I always like to say if it's something I've heard or I'm not really sure, I will always kind of state that so so that you guys can take that information, uh, you know, accurately. What I'm about to tell you isn't a rumor. It's stuff that I, I was aware of. Now, during COVID, I had did a uh, did I done a bunch of projects with a bunch of companies. And uh, interestingly enough, every company I worked with, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now, so you know, it's five companies that I worked with, uh, and uh, had nothing to do with YouTube. It was outside of YouTube stuff. Uh, I was uh, trying to help. Right. A lot of companies were uh, dealing with a lot of issues and I was in a position to help some of them and some of them are friends of mine. And so these are pretty big companies. All com all five companies told me during COVID, uh, independently, not knowing each other, that they were not getting paid by Guitar Center. It was very stressful. We're talking uh, hundreds, sometimes hundred thousand, sometimes hundreds of thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars. But more importantly, they all seem very stressed with Guitar Center's strategy to pay, which was, you know, they had to send them more product to get payment. Um, and they seemed very stressed. In fact, one of them, uh, again, I don't feel comfortable telling you who the companies are and just telling you that obviously they're all well-known, well-respected brands. Okay. Uh, one of them had to actually lost or potentially lost a, a very important loan because of the debt that he wasn't getting paid. And he basically wrote it off. So 
And it was a large sum, like I said, enough to buy you in a really amazing lift kitted truck with all the features and maybe a trailer to pull. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, my point to that is, I don't know. Now, this is the important part. And in the last 30 days or 60 days, I have not had a real uh, intimate conversation with any of them about Guitar Center specifically. Um, this was really tough because I actually wanted to talk about this because of this situation, because one thing I can't do, unfortunately, is I can't tell each other uh, their other's business. So I couldn't tell when they were telling me about Guitar Center's debt, you know, that they weren't getting paid. I couldn't tell each one of them that, oh, yes, another company told me that too. But here on this forum, I could at least let you guys know that it seems to be issues there. So I would imagine that Guitar Center selling through all this inventory is going to help with that debt. Now, again, I'm not here and we're not here on this channel in this community. We're not trying to pick at the bones of something. I'm not, I'm not willfully, uh, we're not willfully, tr you know, wishing bad things for Guitar Center. We're just discussing this because this impacts us. This does. Um, and uh, something I, and so there's a couple of things I want to talk about. So obviously, yes, is this a sign of Guitar Center's debt uh, really kind of, and COVID just compounding the issue? Is it a sign that they're just selling out inventory? You got to understand it's hard to restock right now. A lot of companies are restocked and it's probably harder when you are already in some kind of financial distress before. A bankruptcy, of course, would be catastrophic, especially at this time in our industry. So you guys know, I've been saying this for years. I will keep saying this. If Guitar Center files bankruptcy, it's not catastrophic for Guitar Center. It's going to be catastrophic for some of the vendors that deal with Guitar Center. And that, as it's going to it's going to suck. It's just, there's no positive from it. Um, and I don't believe, and again, now I told you, those are things I told you that I'm aware of that are true. Let me tell you what a speculation thing that I have, a speculative thing. I don't believe that if Guitar Center was to close, one, first, I don't believe Guitar Center will close. If they were to file bankruptcy, I think they'd reorganize, cut off the, the stores that are not performing, and, and kind of shed debt and, and restructure. That's what I feel would happen. Uh, but, of course, no one knows. Uh, it would be the courts. And, of course, that's even if they file bankruptcy. However, uh, speculative speaking for me, I feel like if Guitar Center was to go under, there wouldn't be a flourishment of mom and pops. In other words, you wouldn't see all of a sudden, you know, the mom and pops, you know, screaming to the rooftops. Oh, it's amazing. All this business coming through our front door. Um, uh, and the reason I say that is, again, I'm speculating. But let me tell you a story that is true and maybe helps. When Best Buy decided to get into the music industry business, uh, if you guys remember back about 10 years ago, they got in the business and tested it for many years and then finally started opening stores, which we all know were pretty horrible. I mean, everybody's got stories. I have one where I walked in and there was a $2,000 Taylor guitar laying flat on the floor where some kids were in, there, like little kids, like toddlers, were put it on the floor and went, ran out to go find their mom. And you're like in horror of watching what you're seeing. It, it, it looked like a daycare center with musical instruments, but that's not the important part of the story. The important part of the story is that when Best Buy decided this wasn't a financially feasible or financially viable business for them, they shut it down. They had, in my area, done exactly that. They damaged the mom pops. We had three Best Buys in my area that uh, opened up stores. And in those stores, those stores were performing almost as much as guitar centers. So it was like adding three guitar centers to the mom and pops in the community. It's very, very, very economically hurtful. Best Buy shut down. We're like, great, we'll get our customers back. Actually, the customers disappeared. That's what happens, I think. So Guitar Center, I think with Guitar Center, if you got customers used to going to a Guitar Center, they're probably used to going to other mom and pops. If you take Guitar Center away, I think that's just going to cough and nail that to go to the internet. You know what I mean? So that's just a thought. Again, uh, always interesting hearing your thoughts. But curious to see what you guys think. And then I have second part to this. 
uh, section of the Guitar Center's running out of gear thing because there's something in those pictures I don't know if you guys noticed, and I was very, very aware of it. <laughs> so, um, so again, uh, let me know in the comments if you guys are seeing the same things. So that's nice that other, other uh, musicians can see if it's some kind of thing going out there. Uh, Stanley says, my GC is empty, but I did get a Mint 2000 Frame as Panthera Classic Custom here there today. Love it. Great. See, you know what I mean? It's like I said, I, they have good gear. I mean, there was stuff. It's just like I said, it's not a lot. And uh, the used guitars obviously being gone isn't a replenishment of getting inventory from the from the manufacturers. So, you know what I mean? So that being gone just means it sold through, which is good. And they're just not getting a lot of gear. A lot of uh, small stores are telling me the same kind of story. One thing that's funny is uh, some of you guys may know uh, Zim's Guitars. That's a local store in Mesa where I live. It's a small store. He used to be a customer of my store. He opened a small store. And, uh, and uh, you know, he's just make does his guitar thing. And he's, he's great. I've done some videos about his store in the past. Um, his store looks more stocked than the Guitar Center right now. Absolutely. It's great. So if you're in that area, you should check it out. I was really impressed. I went in there. I told I told him to his face. I said, I said, man, your store looks looks more stocked than the Guitar Center down the road. That's a very impressive thing considering his store is you know, a fraction of the size. But it was very impressive right now. Um, but, uh, you know, inventory being the problem, it, I think is going to be the issue. But let's take a look at those pictures for a second. I want to show you what I saw besides this brick wall that you're looking at that's empty. Uh, that's the use section, so that's what we expect. Now look over at the fake amp wall. <laughs> Notice the top row. You got an American uh, uh, Rosewood Nectelli, American uh, Professional. You got another American Strat. You got an S2 PRS. You got two higher end. At least it's eleven hundred dollars and two thousand dollars Ibanez AZs. And then there's some used guitars there. There's a Dangelico and there's a used Gretsch, all in the fifteen hundred dollar up range. And then down below, you have a bunch of hollow bodies, which aren't hot sellers. Hollow, hollow bodies don't sell comparatively to, um, to electric. So, but they're all kind of more expensive. And then when I go to this picture, look at that top row, all those American strats. And then look over here, a row of uh, Gibson Les Pauls. And so obviously, uh, if you look, and then there's a bunch of Mitchell guitars there and some very inexpensive Jacksons. There's just not a lot of inventory there. But what I want to point out is something I saw in a, a couple other places too. It's the high-end guitars that aren't moving right now. They're just sitting. They're just sitting. And uh, so um, that is also an interesting thing to see happen right now. Now, you guys might say, okay, that's just, uh, you know, the market right now. But it's possible. But it is interesting to see that they are. I, in fact, if you look at that picture, I didn't really count. But anybody wants to look at that picture and stare at it, I think if you're really paying attention, technically, they almost have as many high-end guitars as they had low-end guitars. They're almost like equal by numbers. And, of course, that's not normal for the music industry, you know, industry, usually going to see almost 10 to one, 10 inexpensive guitars for every one expensive. So the fact that, uh, the fact that they're, they're sitting there on the expensive guitars and missing the inexpensive guitars, that could be also because the inexpensive guitars are coming from China and we know all the problems with China right now and getting guitars. I just thought it was an interesting subject. I thought it was worth talking about. Uh, again, a little bit of speculating about what's going to happen. Obviously, I don't think uh, a business is going to do well if their inventory starts running out and they seem pretty thin. By the way, when it came to pickup parts and pedals and stuff, it was even thinner. So... <laughs> <laughs> Ian says it's beer time. I wish it was beer time. It's probably drink some water time. Or like I said, maybe it's vodka. Anyways, um, and uh, Mitch says, I, I had a bad, wait, I had a bad over the phone ordering experience, which eventually got rectified at Guitar Center. I'm just 
going to stay with Sweetwater for now. Well, Sweetwater is by far, in my opinion, a superior online selling uh, entity to Guitar Center. Um, I, I just had a hangout with uh, some of my patrons this week, and uh, in the patron hangout, I talked about me buying an, a guitar during COVID, and I tried to buy one from... Uh, not Guitar Center. It's Guitar Center, but it's, it's Guitar Center is what do they call it? Not the private stock, but the private reserve, which is their high end stuff. And basically, I was told by Guitar Center. <laughs> and again, I know it's COVID. I don't want to, you know, like I said, I understand limited staff. I'm not trying to be obnoxious, but it was kind of funny. What I was told by Guitar Center employee on the phone on the <laughs> was uh, I, I basically couldn't get a hold of the um, private reserve to to look you know I need some information about an expensive guitar I was looking at and they said that they don't answer the phone that you have to leave a message and then if they don't call you back call and leave another message and you know <laughs> it, I'm laughing because here's the deal again if it wasn't for COVID I would be slamming them up down sideways about how stupid it is it's hard because I don't know all the facts could it be there was one guy doing all the work and he's you know they can only allocate one person to doing all the high-end guitars again I want to give them the benefit of the doubt but uh but let's just say uh you know it was a much different experience when calling Sweetwater <laughs> <laughs> it's a much more positive experience. Um, in my book, and, and I and I say this wholeheartedly, I'm I'm friends with Sam Yash. Uh, friends means I'm friendly. He he was on my channel many uh, you know a while back on the first couple episodes of this, and uh, I've always had a great uh, experience interacting with him. I love Sam Ash. The stores. Um, when I go to a store, I try to frequent Sam Ash, especially anytime I can go to Sam Ash over Guitar Center. I will do that without a heartbeat. That being said, I will tell you this: when it comes to my online spending. It's pretty much American Musical Supply and uh, Sweetwater, and it's it's that you know what I mean. It's that them two entities, and that's who I continue to go to. Um, and I know some of you guys like Z Sounds, and some of you guys like others too. And Music One Two Three, Musicians Friend, all that stuff. And uh, and uh, they're all you know I'm sure they're all good. I've I've shopped probably from all of them at one point, but for some reason when I say when I say go to them, I mean go go back. You know what I mean? Uh, you'll buy wherever there's something, right? If somebody has something in stock, I'll buy it there. Or if there's a special deal somewhere, you know, that's where you're going to go. But when I'm saying, when I'm given the opportunity to give my business back to an online entity again, uh, I, and I'll explain this in a second because I know you guys are going to say something in a second and, and then I want to correct what you might thinking. Um, and when I, get a, when I get the opportunity to go back, I go back to Sweetwater and AMS over and over and over again for those experiences. Now, that being said, because I know some of you guys are like, oh, I, what about mom and pop shops? So you know, I will honestly tell you this. In fact, you can tell, oh, and if uh, and all the guitars you've seen me buy on the channel of the years, I would say if you're doing math of where I buy my guitars, the majority of my guitars, 80% of them came from Reverb, from small dealers on Reverb. I, I just bought a guitar yesterday, so hopefully there'll be a, an unboxing soon, and it was from uh, Bizarre Guitar in Reno, Nevada. It's a second guitar. In fact, that red telly right there, I bought that from Bizarre Guitar. They, uh, uh, I've... I, uh, I went in that store once when I was in Reno and uh, had a good experience, and uh, I think I shared that once. They gave me a shirt. We talked about this, but uh, not only did I have a good experience then, I've had good experiences online, and um, what's funny is what's funny is I, I do this strange thing. Maybe it's strange. Uh, when I bought that and I bought the guitar I bought yesterday, I don't uh, tell them who I am. <laughs> Uh, not that I think that that would matter. I just don't want it to if it would. So it's always kind of funny. So when I went to pay with PayPal, of course, PayPal discloses, you know, who I am now. So I just told them, I said, hey, just, you know, I have the podcast and we've met before. Um, but like I said, I like to support smaller stores when I can. Uh, one, I think it's overall always a better experience, in my opinion. So there you go. That was a weird 
hold on. I'm just looking for comments about what we're talking about. So before we jump subjects, Mitch said he bought three guitars from Sweetwater in the last three years and not a problem. Yeah. I, like I said, um, you know, Sweetwater, I have had problems. I think I've been public about that. I've had uh, two issues with Sweetwater uh, purchasing from them, and that's it, two. But I only bring that up because I don't want to bring that up as like a negative because it's not. What I want to tell you is both times they took care of it. And, uh, and that's what I care about. I mean, I think that's what everybody cares about. To me, if I buy something and it shows up on time and it's not damaged, that's a great experience. And that is probably reflective of how good the business is. But what really reflects on how good a business is is when everything goes to crap, right? Um, you know what I mean? When you really get to test somebody's character when you're having a problem, <laughs> right? When you're like, hey, this is an issue. Um, and then Cowtown Customs says mom and pops can't afford to buy in for Fender and Gibson. This is this is basically true. Now, remember, I was a mom and pop and I did carry Fender for 12 years and I carried Gibson for, uh, I say, nine months. In fact, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I, I, my joke is we carried Gibson for a few months and then I lost all my hair and... <laughs> <laughs> they were very stressful. Let's just say that as a, at the time, they were just very stressful, but, but that doesn't mean anything about the guitars. Again, as, I, as you see behind me, I'm a fan of the guitars, but it was a, it was a stressful thing and, and not stressful. And I, again, I don't want to misconstrue anything. The stress had to do with the fact that what Cowtown is basically alluding to for me to carry Fender, for me to carry Gibson and, uh, or any other higher brands like that, it, it's, it's a financial strain and it's a lot of your time. You know what I mean? Mental uh, what do they call it? Mind share. It's a lot of your mind share. You spend a lot of time stressing and worrying about that because they know how to they know how to keep boil you up. In other words, not get you mad, but keep you loaded with inventory. So yeah, but that's why there's great alternatives. And mom and pop should, in today's day and age, okay. And and I know some mom and pop stores are watching. Again, uh, and again, I'm not I'm not going to tell you what to do with your business, but I will tell you something. As now, as obviously with 12 years experience of owning the store, and now as a consumer again going into your stores, let me tell you something. I honestly believe wholeheartedly. I used, it used to be, it used to be that the brands made the store. You walked in a store, you could tell if it was legit by who was in on the walls, what was on the walls. You walked in, you saw Ibanez or ESP or, or, you know, Sir or, you know, Gibson or whatever, right? High-end brands. If you saw that on the wall, you know what I mean? You saw Marshalls and, and Mesa Boogies. That was a legitimate store. You knew you were in the right spot. I don't believe that's true anymore. I don't believe brands make a store. Um, anymore. I think that basically brands are available everywhere. Uh, there is pretty much no major brand that isn't available to our fingertips on our phone. I can buy any brand pretty much with this phone. So it's not about availability anymore. And it doesn't really tell me that you're a really good store by having some nice brands. It just tells me either A, you have some money or B, uh, you don't have some money, <laughs> you have some credit, but more importantly, I think what makes stores today is service. And I think having something unique uh, is, is, the, is the key. Um, but I also want to tell you uh, that being unique stuff, although it's interesting and it really draws me in when I walk in a store now, it's also scary and you have to pay attention to because... Um, a, uh, a unique item sometimes don't sell. <laughs> so you got to, you know, you got to balance it. But that's my opinion. And again, I like talking about this because again, uh, you guys, you know, make your comments, let them see, let them see it. It's always neat, neat to see. Uh, Floopity-Doo says, <laughs> that's awesome. 
<laughs> Floopity Doo says, uh, more mom pops are offering free setups with guitar purchase. Exactly. It's a service-oriented industry now. It was always before. But, I mean, if you want to survive in the Internet, uh, the question, of course, that comes up a lot is, you know, is, do you think mom and pops are going to survive? And uh, here's my joke. I don't know if I've ever told you guys on this show, but I will tell you now. It's a joke, and I like to sell it. When everybody asks me that, you know, conversationally. Uh, hey, do you think mom and pop stores will last in the music industry? And I go, hey, there's still one blockbuster video in Alaska. Okay. The reason I make that comment is because think about this, even blockbuster video, which is dead, still has one store. It's in Alaska. I think actually they might have two stores, but that doesn't really matter. I know for a fact they have one store. It's in Alaska. So what I'm saying is, is that somebody still needs to apparently walk in and rent a, a, a movie. Okay. So my point with mom and pops is that no matter how big the internet gets, no matter how fast they can get it shipped to you, no matter how many pictures they take of it and how much they weigh it and how much they truly give you the experience and gave you and give you a great customer service experience, they're still going going to be a person who wants to tangibly touch things and interact with people and have a positive experience. So here is my almost, I don't want to say, yeah, it's going to sound bad. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. If you're a mom pop store and you do not want to work on your personality or customer service skills, you're not going to make it because it's the only thing that's left that you got. It's the only weapon you can hold against companies like Sweetwater. They're going to kill you with their great deals, great service, huge inventories. That's a, a tough thing to fight, but you can fight it with a great customer experience because it draws people in and gets them coming back. And, you know, like I said, um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest a lot for, for, for many times, many times in my store, many times people came in my store and bought stuff they didn't want. I know it. I know for a fact, they think I don't know. They think that I was not naive, but obviously didn't understand what they were doing. But they came in. I saw they I maybe I answered a question for them, maybe they had a positive experience. Maybe they're just coming back, return customers. But they would just walk my store until they walked a hole in the carpet to find some silly thing, a pack of strings, a pedal, anything they can buy just to give me some patronage to keep me going. And uh, and uh, we saw that every day in our store. We saw community. We saw people saying, hey, uh, I will do you know, I'll keep this business afloat um, because the fact that we gave that we gave service. So, like I said, you have to give service. All right. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, hold on. Eli says, hey, Phil, I just bought your Hughes and Kittner Grandmeister 40 Deluxe and it was delivered today. I'm looking for a cab to pair with it. Would you recommend the 112 or the 212? I would go the 212. You know, um, so I had obviously the Grandmeister 40 and I had the um, the Spirit 200. And I decided that I was only going to keep one. And so I decided to keep the Spirit 200. <laughs> and I will tell you this, and this is maybe interesting, Eli. I believe the Grandmeister 40 is superior in sounding. It sounds better than the than this amp. But... You guys seen my, you know, my my room with my amps. I have a lot of tube amps, and I was just like, do I really need, you know, two Hughes and Kittner amps, you know? And this will fill some needs for me because I can literally take this. It's super light and it's solid state, and I don't have to worry about it. So I went with that way. But uh, that being said, I really, really like the Grandmeister 40. The one thing I will tell you though is it's a little, a little. It needs a little bit of beef on it because you don't want to drive the bass on those amps. It changes the distortion. Okay, the the Hughes and Kittner uh, amps are definitely. 
uh, tweaker, you know, tweak the knobs, amps, and you definitely want to kind of play with it. But I would say a, a 212 cabinet would probably do better, in my opinion. Uh, that's what I enjoyed with it. In fact, the best it ever sounded was through my 412, but I don't think you have to get a 412. But I'm just saying the bigger the box, uh, 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 this seems like the less you had to drive the low end on the amp, and that really got the amp to get a, a better, creamier distortion, less fizzy. So, um, and then Ellen says, Phil, you are right. I have purchased all manner of strange things I didn't quite need because I really like the shop owner. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, it's, I have to admit, like I said, I'm a different person than I was, you know, a year ago and years before and stuff. And when I say that, I mean, I, I've learned to kind of through you guys, through these live shows to be more open about things and stuff like that used to embarrass me. It used to the idea that I was some kind of charity to people really bugged me and maybe even made me stressed at night. You know, like are people really, do people really viably care about what I'm doing as a business or is this just like a charity thing for people? And now I realize through the same community we built here that it's really just about people trying to support people. That's why uh, companies like JHS has Josh Scott. He has his videos now and uh, Brian Walper has videos now. And, and, you know, owners are out there trying to engage with the audience because again, you're going to learn, you know, uh, hopefully for the best part, we've seen some owners not have the best experiences with people, but some have had great experiences and, um, and the same thing. So you learn. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm glad you kind of, you know, qualified that and said that it happened. Cause again, it's always something I felt like it happened. Uh, and then David says, I have two streams going on. Let me check. That's very possible because YouTube keeps duplicating my stream and I'm not sure what it is. Let's double. I am. Yep. So let me kill. I don't even know if it's going to let me hold on a second. Give me a second. Technical difficulties as they were. Okay. I have no way to stop the stream, the second stream. So I don't know what's causing the second stream, everybody. I really apologize. And I don't want to stop this one today, but let me figure out. If anyone has seen this problem before, it just recently started happening where it's encoding and creating two separate streams. Uh, did it last week too. Let's go to settings. Um, general. Close. I can do that. Maybe that will help. Yeah, it won't let me. It won't let me kill it. So, hold on. Let me double check. Nope. Nope. Yeah, but I took it offline. So that should be good enough now, hopefully. So we'll go back to our main thing. I appreciate you telling me about that. Yeah, I did it last week too. So I'll get on it. I'm using OBS and so I don't know what's creating that. And it just happened when YouTube just changed the screens on me. So I could be doing something wrong because I don't understand the new screens. So we'll get on it. Uh, let's see. Um, and then a lot of you guys now are talking about uh, places you like to shop. Let's see. Um, okay. Um, Hold on a second. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, sorry, just reading some. 
Hold on, you guys are killing me in the comments. All right, so what we were talking about, we were talking about uh, mom pops and obviously do, doing business, and we were talking about the Guitar Center running out of product. Um, uh, Randall, Randall, Randall Vandegrift says, Guitar Center, whoa, jumped. Guitar Center has never done me wrong. They have done me so good with used gear I bought. I love them. Yeah, I, overall, my experiences with Guitar Center have been very positive. Um, in fact, uh, the guys at the one that I go to are um, very cool. In fact, every time I go in there, they always say hi, which is nice. Um, the, um, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a, hey, Norm kind of thing. You know what I mean? I like to go in and and like everybody, I like to buy gear, and and it's and it and it's really cool. It's really cool because um, I like it when I go in music stores because I want to, you know, just check out gear. And sometimes, you know, it's uh, they they don't know if I'm filming or I'm doing something, and so there's a little apprehension when they they see me stores sometimes. Um, but no, there was very positive. Like I said, overall very positive. Uh, Sean Brooks says, Phil, all our mom and pop shops just have imports. That would make sense because that's more, right? Because we know the imports hit the prices most people are going to for, uh, afford and pay. Says, I do go there for strings, pits, et cetera, picks, et cetera. Uh, just like, oh, and I like just talking to the workers and, customer, and customers. It reminds me of your show. Yeah, my show is basic. Look, this is if you guys, a lot of you guys are, our viewers are also ex-customers or maybe current customers, ex-customers of mine from my store. Uh, uh, I, a lot of you know, this is just how we used to hang out and talk and then it just became a show. <laughs> became a live show. This is this was like when you'd walk in our store and then, you know, <laughs> we would just be talking. So yeah, that's what I love about this stuff. Um, and then Grumpy Guitar Mike, Grumpy Mike Guitar says he's had both good and bad experiences at GC. Ah, of course. Well, because here's the thing. You got to understand. Eliminate. I try to do this. I try to eliminate people from an equation. And I try. When I say try, I try. I'm not perfect. I'm super fallible like anybody else. I get upset just like anybody else. I say stupid things just like anybody else. Uh, and uh, all those things apply. But what I mean is this. There's uh, When I have an experience, whether it's good or bad, I generally look at that as the person. I'm having a person-to-person -person experience. So, so for instance, uh, there's a difference between when I get upset about, let's say, a policy and a person, okay? So a policy, or sometimes you can tell the employee, uh, employees, the staff, are ba basically being disseminated information from somebody higher up in the company, and that information is what's irritating you. Then I focus my uh, my my issues with the company. But a lot of times when you have a bad experience, people will go, oh, I had a bad experience at Guitar Center. You might have had a bad employee, right? Uh, you know what I mean? Um, I think I've talked about this maybe. I said, I, I again, I had my, my most horrific experiences at Guitar Center which I've talked about on the show, are the fact that I've been to three separate guitar centers and three times, three different managers reprimanded employees in front of me while I was in the store. And I have an issue with that. And so I, I and I wrote Guitar Center letters. They never responded to any of my letters. I even sent two, so you guys know. I sent one as a average Joe customer, like, hey, I had this experience. I really didn't appreciate it. And, uh, you know, hey, maybe you should... Uh, pull your managers offline and teach them that if they're going to reprimand employees, they should take them off the floor. As a customer, I don't want to see an employee get reprimanded, especially in two of those cases, two of those three cases, they were being reprimanded basically 
for me, uh, me being the customer, customers, right? They were doing something. They were interacting with us, um, and they were supposed to be doing something else, like, I don't know, cleaning or something, and there was something upset about the manager. So uh, so anyways, and then the second I sent an email saying, hey, I'm, I have this channel, and we talk, and you know what I mean? Not really like you know trying to put any weight on that, but just letting them know that this is something we discussed, and I would love to have an opportunity to tell, tell my audience why maybe I'm misunderstanding this or, you know what I mean? And uh, they, they went dark on that. They never, they ghosted me. I never got any responses. And I'm, I don't know if it's because it gets buried in a ton of emails. I don't have any direct contacts with Guitar Center. My only contact at Guitar Center, they had a marketing guy reach out to me once. And uh, it was, uh, I had a pleasant experience. And then he basically told me that the Guitar Center is kind of old and outdated and he left. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> oh, oh. anyways, uh, uh and then Desert uh, Desert Doug, Desert Doug, I got a feeling you live close to me, Desert Doug. He says, Desert Doug says, which mom and pop did you shop in in Tucson? In Tucson, when I was a kid, I used to go to Sticks and Strings. So I used to live on uh, on uh, uh, Broadway in Harrison. So that was the store right next to me. Uh, so that's where I went there. I uh, So that was the store I went to. Most of the stores I went to, like guitars, et cetera, and all that stuff, they're gone. They're all closed. All the stores. In fact, my my first real guitar, my high-end guitar you know, that I bought, high-end being my graduation present from high school, that store's gone. Most stores gone. Um, I have never purchased anything from Rainbow Guitars down in Tucson. Um but uh, but I tried. <laughs> uh, the great store, great inventory, and for the most part, the employees are pretty cool. Um, th- they were a lot different store when I was younger. When I was younger, um, when I got my graduation present, I should say what happened was my parents uh, or my mom gave me money, and you know, family gave me money, and I had this money. And I'm 17, and I had a watch. I don't know if I ever told the story. I'll tell it real fast. It's because it's, it's embarrassingly odd. Uh, so I was given a wad of cash. <laughs> for graduating. And so what I did was I took this wad of cash and I went to Rainbow Guitars and, <laughs> and I decided I was buying a Marshall because that was the coolest thing I could do with a wad of cash. And uh, <laughs> so I went into the store and there was a Marshall. I remember it was one of the blue anniversary ones with the gold Marshall logo and it was a head and cabinet. And I go, okay, there it is. And I looked at the price tag. This is like literally out of one of these like TV shows. I look at the price tag, wad of cash in my pants. I just need to hand this money to somebody in this store. And so the salesman comes up and I'm standing there. I can't touch it because you couldn't touch stuff. And he's like, can I help you? And I said, yeah. I Now remember, I'm 17. I don't know to tell him that I have a wad of cash. I just go, yeah, I want that Marshall. And he's like, yeah, well, we don't like people to buy stuff unless they try it first. And I go, oh, okay, I'll try it. And he goes, well, it's kind of loud. So the only the only way we like you to try it is if you come in on Mondays when we're closed and make an appointment. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And he's like, yeah, we're kind of full on Monday. <laughs> so this is a true horrible story. I went to Sticks and Strings and bought a crate half stack for the same price as a Marshall. And actually, no, I got a two cabinets in a head. Cost about the same. <laughs> so, uh, so back in the day, if you remember me rocking that crate stealth stack, that was because Rainbow wouldn't take my money to buy a uh, an amp. It's funny is I did tell I think the manager. I don't know if he's still the current manager, but a couple years ago I met uh, one of the managers at Rainbow at the Nam show from my Fender rep, and I told him that story, and he goes, "Oh, that sounds like us." <laughs> But since then, I've had no, no problems trying to shop them. I just didn't, you know, every time I went in, if I'm down in Tucson, I pop in. I just haven't found the, the, the thing to buy yet. But 
Uh, so yeah, that was a different time, right, guys? You guys remember those days when when the salesman wouldn't take your money at the guitar stores and kick you out? <laughs> uh, um, the um, in fact, in fact. I'm on a tirade, so I'm just going to go because it's good. Behind me, right here, and pointing right now at an Ibanez Floral Gem 1999. That's a 1999 Floral Gem. That's That gem has a very interesting and crazy story, and it goes like this. I decided in 1999, that's when my son was born, that I was going to get an Ibanez Gem because, in my mind, I was convinced that once we have a child, I am poor. I think I've talked about this before. I will be poor forever, paying for diapers, and I will never have joy in my life again when it comes to anything that I want to do. It's all going to be about the family. It's a, you know, you're mentally in a different place when you have your firstborn kid. So I tell my wife, I need to go buy a gem. At the time, they were $1,000. That guitar was literally $999.99. So I went to my local store. It's called Bizarre Guitar. Now, so you know, since then, since this story, I want to tell you that I've become friends with the owner. He's since passed away. He was a very interesting and uh, nice person to me. Some people have interesting stories about him. I only have pleasant ones. So uh, so to, to, to Bob at, at, at Bizarre, he was always positive and, and very helpful to me as when I was a store owner. So I want to say that. But I want to tell you what happened to the store. So I went into the store in 99 with my wife, $1,000 in my pocket. I promised her to take her to lunch as soon as I buy this guitar. It's going to be very exciting day. I walked in the store. The clerk was helping some customers, very helpful. And the store had signs everywhere. Do not touch. Right. Literally, uh, not lightly, like obnoxiously do not touch. So I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm pointing at it going like, that's it. (laughs) So, so my, so my wife is like waiting. I'm waiting now while I'm waiting, they have guitars on stands on the floors. They're like the used cheap guitars. Right. And there's this Washburn bass for like 125 bucks. And my buddy Jim just mentioned to me that he was going to get into bass. And I'm like, I look at my wife and I go, I should get Jim that bass. And she goes, yeah. And I go, yeah. And then I'll teach him bass. And she goes, okay. So I pick it up and I start doing my slap stuff on it. Right. And I'm sitting there. The employee stops helping the customers, comes around the counter, walks up, pulls it out of my hands and goes, yeah, I don't know if you can read, but it's don't touch. Please ask for before handling. And I said, oh yeah, my bad, man. I'm sorry. I just figured because it's inexpensive. You know, I was, I'm like, I want to get this too. I, I want to get the, the guitar and this bass. And then he walked away and then my wife goes, okay, let's go to lunch. And I go, oh no, I got to get the guitar. My wife's like, oh no, no, you're not getting the guitar here. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, they have it. She's like, it's, it's not happening. And then she left. (laughs) So I of course followed her because I've been married now for 22 years. I'm a smart man when it comes to my wife. So I left. Now here's why the story's funny. I never got a gym, floral gym. My life was never complete apparently. And uh, five, no, maybe eight years ago. Eight years ago, I met a good friend, Joe. He's been on my channel. You guys know Joe. Joe and I were hanging out, and he showed me his gem. And I said, oh, man, I always wanted a floral gem. And he's like, yeah, my parents bought it for me. It was cool. He goes, I don't play it. It's not really, you know, not my thing anymore. And he goes, but they bought it for me back in 99 at the Bazaar Guitar. (laughs) And then since then, we, we asked and we found out they basically only had that one. So... I bought that gym for from from Joe. So that's the gym that apparently was meant to be mine. That was hopefully not the long, boring story it sounded like I was telling you guys. But uh, yeah, Ellen says, happy wife, happy life. Yeah, you know what it is. Like I've said, my wife doesn't seem to care what I spend, but she's sure. I. It's like, it, here's the thing. I can't handle 
my wife can be mad all day. I, I think I'm okay with it. I don't handle her disappointment very well. <laughs> when she's disappointed in me, because she's a smart person, when you smart people look at you like you're doing something dumb, it has a feeling. So that's the, usually the feeling. So yeah. Um, so yeah, those are interesting times, right? Don't see, you know, people forget those great stories like that. That, by the way, those stories are like boot camp stories. Every time I've told anybody those stories, I know for a fact, all of you watching right now, there's 1,324 of you. I would guarantee that at least 1,000 of you have one of those two stories I just told you. Everybody's had it. <laughs> so there you go. Um, all right. Oh, John wants to know how much I paid for the gym. Oh, John, this is how it worked. So when Joe went to sell it, it was worth easily $2,500. That's what it was worth then. It's probably worth three to 35 because it's brand new. He literally bought it in 99. He's never played it. As you can see, it looks like a work of art if you're into those. No chips, no cracks in the pocket. Um, so we had a we came to an impasse on this problem because the problem was, you know, it didn't make sense for him to sell it for anything less than 2500 and obviously we're good friends and he's not in love with it, so he so what we ended up doing was he's like, "Look, don't don't pay me for it. Find me something cool to trade." You know what I mean? So, long story short, uh, if you guys know, I did a video called uh, it's my anniversary video where I did I bought a, a Les Paul Gold Top Classic. I bought that for my anniversary, and so uh, about five or six months after that video, that's why you'll see that there was that guitar, that video, and then slowly, you know, half a year later, this thing pops into play. Um, Joe played that Les Paul, and he's like, "If you ever sell this Les Paul, I'll take it." And I go, "Okay." And he goes, "Well, why don't we trade for the gym?" And I said, "Oh, you know, I only paid nineteen uh, twenty-five. I paid nineteen hundred twenty-five dollars for the Les Paul. He had owed me like seventy-five bucks for an amp for a small amp." And he's like, "Ah, you know, just give me those things, and we'll call it square." And so I lucked out. So basically, two grand for the guitar, which is double what I would have paid if I bought it in ninety-nine, but. Still, it was very cool in a very cool situation. And this is uh, this is uh, one of the uh, guitars that is exactly what I talked about when I did an episode uh, about 10 episodes ago when I said uh, first right of refusal. If I was to sell this gym, I would I would physically have to text him and say, hey, Joe, you know what I mean? And give him the opportunity to pay me what I paid what I paid him for it. That's how we do it in my friend circles. If you buy guitars from each other, you, you give each other a deal, but you also are able to get that guitar back if they try to get rid of it. And that way you don't ever have to feel the sting of like, like it's not very cool. Obviously Joe trades me the Les Paul for that guitar. That's very cool. Wouldn't be cool if I got, a, you know, if it, if I got 35 to $4,000 for it, like $3,500 for it, and you know what I mean? And made money that doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? Uh, or at least give him the opportunity to buy it back so he can make the money. And if he doesn't want to do that, then I can do it without uh, guilt and, and keep my friends. Cause Friends are better than guitars because otherwise you got to play guitar by yourself. So there you go. All right. Uh, anyways, uh, we need to get some super chats. Hold on a second. So let me let me let me grab a couple. I've been ignoring them as I've been yapping this whole time. Okay. Uh, what do we got going on? Let's start with some cool ones. Let's go through these. We got Derek. He says, Hey, Phil, happy Friday. What's the, what's your feeling about Phil Jones bass amps these days? I remember you liked them, but then had some problems too. reliability and issue. Um, yeah, I, I had a Phil Jones amp and it crapped out on me. Dude, I love the way they sound. I mean, I love them. Uh, and mine crapped out. I contacted them. They said that they knew what the problem was. It was some kind of issue that they were having. 
and if I shipped it to them, they would fix it. And uh, so I just uh, fixed it. In fact, Dane at, at Zim's helped me work on it. You know, we were just goofing around in the store one day, and then uh, and then it was working, and then it acted up, and then. Uh, my other buddy came over and we, we fixed it and then I ended up selling it dirt cheap because it was working. It was fine, but I was concerned that if it ever acted up, I'd let somebody into it for dirt cheap. So I sold it dirt cheap. Um, th that does not make me not want to own another Phil Jones amp, believe it or not. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, uh, I like their stuff. It sounds good. I think it's, um, that's just, I had a bad product. That's how it works. Um, like I said, every review, every thought, one product does not make an entire, you know what I mean? Um, product line. You know what I mean? So our company. So one bad experience. I've had two positive experiences with Phil Jones past. That was my third Phil Jones amp I, I've used. And the other two have worked fine and great. They're really expensive for what they are. But the only negative, and I will say this, the only negative I will say, if you're thinking about getting a Phil Jones amp is um, like Bose, in my opinion, and like Bose speakers to me, they sound really good for their size, but they don't sound better than things that are bigger. And so what I mean by that is, yeah, it's great to have a little briefcase Phil Jones amp that you can take to a small gig, but technically like an affordable 112 bass combo does the same volume. So it's just cooler that it's lighter and it's cool. And it's got more punch and dynamics, a lot of harmonic uh, tone to I like, but I still am a fan of Phil Jones. So that's, like I said, that one amp purchase did not dissuade me. I just, you know, the, in fact, the, the really nice one I had, the Super Cub, I think is what it was. I should have kept that one. I don't know why I got rid of that. I got rid of that one because I was like, oh, this one's a little lighter. I don't really need the extra wattage. So uh, Matt says, I sent you an email yesterday. Hopefully you get a chance to read it and respond. Too much info to fit into a character space. A lot of cheers. Happy Friday. Matt, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll look for it, buddy. I, I've been hitting some emails this week. I know uh, there's a, a, a bunch that I haven't got, but I, I tag some that I can try to get to. Uh, it just, just depends on my week. As you guys saw, I didn't even really get the, the two videos that were supposed to be out. I didn't finish editing them. So... That's how the week went. <laughs> okay, EM says, hi, first time here. Hey, thank you for joining us, I guess is what I should say. Is that what I should say? We should have a, a thing for newcomers, like welcome to the club. <laughs> it says, longtime subscriber, what do you think about ovation guitars, acoustics especially? Would you recommend one? Thanks. Uh, me, personally, the two things about ovation I need to point out. One, uh, I used they used to do these cool skid pads, these rubber pads on the bottom of them, uh, and they're harder to find those pads now, and some of them may still have them. Um, but uh, with that thing, I love it. Other than that, it slides off my lap because I'm a chunky guy with a big round belly, and the belly slides the stupid guitar off. <laughs> it's... When you have a, a round bowl belly guitar and a round bowl belly guy, and they're pushing the two bellies together, it's like two sumos pushing against each other. The guitar and, and, and my body are fighting, and the thing is just sliding off my legs because it's got no shot. It's got <laughs> the the beer belly wins. So um, on a positive note, I'm on a on a I'm on I'm off the COVID diet. If you guys don't know what the COVID diet is, that's where you eat as much stupid crap as possible. I think I told everybody uh, on my patrons, I already told them, I said that I've made, I probably ate more fried chicken during COVID than I've eaten my whole life for something about a comfort food. This feels good, but uh, I've been being hay for the last two weeks and it seems to be paying dividends. But, um, but still with that in play, still can't play the ovation yet. So that's my issue with the ovations. Other than that, they sound great. They're cool. Obviously, I think it's a, a cool guitar. I love the idea of it. And again, if you put a rubber skit on there and it doesn't slide off my leg, that's great. And, uh, it, it, but if you have a, a little bit of a belly, uh, just keep mentally, just remember that sumo image. That's what's going to be happening. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, Arturo, 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 Arturo. Why can I say that? Arturo says, uh, I never went to church, but I do come here for, for your sermons. Very inspiring. I'm, I'm tongue-tied. Maybe I am drinking vodka. Anyways, um, thank you, man. Uh, you know, Ralph likes to call it the Church of Gear, and he says we should, uh, what do you get a, uh, what's, the, what's the tax form so we don't pay taxes? He's like, yeah, we have a weekly meeting, right? Ralph was giving me his whole theory about why this could be a church. It was creeping me out, but it made me laugh. So, uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jack says, uh, P.S. McCarty versus McCarty 594. Why would someone buy one versus the other? Well, for for me, the 594, you know, they talk about the scaling. For me, it's that neck is really, really different. That vintage carved neck, that McCarty 594 neck. So to me, the McCarty versus the McCarty 594, for me, it's two things. The 594 has the low turned, uh, you know, 5708 pickups, which are, uh, you know, they they have a different sweetness to them, I should say. I don't want to go through their, I don't really buy into all the stuff that, you know, PR spins on all that stuff. Hey, you know, everybody's got to put a marketing spin on something. What I can tell you is this. Uh, obviously, they, they're going to say all this magical stuff to explain to you why these pickups are magical. The reality is is that uh, that's a company that has a good ear. And just like Gibson and Fender, they know how to, you know, salt the taste correctly. So I think those pickups sound great. So those pickups sound great, but mostly I think it's the neck carve, the style of guitar. But uh, me personally, I, I had my 594 core. I sold it. I had the S2. I just sold that. And of course, because uh, I just got a new PRS and uh, I, it's the neck. I really like the pattern regular neck over the vintage pattern. That's just for me. It's just my thing. And it's not because I don't like thick necks. It's just, I don't know. I just like the pattern. So for, for to, to answer you for me, I would pick the McCarty just to get the, the, the neck profile versus the 594. And I like the 594. In fact, I wish they would offer, offer 594 with the regular pattern neck pattern regular neck. Miguel says, how do you maintain, keep track of so many guitars? They're right there, buddy. Look behind me. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, it, the, the YouTube gig makes it a little tricky because they're coming in and out and then you got to pay attention to like what's on loan and what's here. And especially companies use a lot of weird uh, terminology and emails. There's, uh, you know, companies of course are not, are not dumb. Uh, so a lot of times, if you guys don't understand, they'll say, Hey, we want to see this guitar and let you check it out. And then you're trying to figure out like, do I keep that guitar? Is that going back? Is that loaned for a video? I've had that as you guys seen, sometimes they loan the guitar goes back. And a lot of times companies don't want to give you a guitar, not because they don't want to pay you in a guitar or give you a guitar. A lot of times, like, what if they don't get a good review? You know what I mean? And then you're just going to not like the guitar or maybe they, they don't want you to have it if you don't like it. So what I've learned is sometimes it's weird because they'll give you the guitar. Some companies just like, hey, we'll send the guitar to you and it's just, you, you just keep it. And then, and then I can decide what to do with it later. And then some companies, like I said, they're vague. Like, you know, hey, when you're done with the guitar, let us know. And you're like, okay. And then I've had both happen. I've emailed them back saying, hey, I love the guitar. It was great. And they said, hey, if you loved it, why don't you keep it? And you're like, oh, that's a good day to have. Uh, and then sometimes they say, okay, great. Here's your tracking number. <laughs> So, and I've told you guys this before, but I'll say it again. A lot of the guitars I've purchased and a lot of t times when I go to purchase them, they won't let, take my money, which is nice. That's basically what happened with Ola. I said, Hey, I'll, I'll buy it. And he's like, no, but you got to understand you, you, if you don't want to bluff with that, if you're not ready to buy it, if you go, Hey, what's the deal on this? I'd like to buy it. And they're like, 
you know, and they give it to you, that's great. But if they go, okay, great, it's it's eleven ninety nine. You better be ready to cough that up because that's your reputation with that company from now on. Now you're gonna, you know, and you're like, oh, never mind. I didn't like it that much. That's basically what you're saying when they give you a deal. That's that's the insult back. So. So be be prepared um, for that. But um, that, that's it. It's not that many guitars. It, it's not a little bit of guitars. Like I said, there's 20 guitars behind me. This is the bulk of my guitars. If you guys know, I put a link for, we're about to do round three. I've done two rounds of selling stuff off. I've sold over 20 guitars already. <laughs> so, uh, so it's thinning down. I'm just trying to get down to what I really, really like. Um, for a while, I think I've told you guys this, uh, the collection was getting bloated. It had nothing to do with company cinema gear. I buy more guitars than, than companies give me because my addiction is not satisfied, apparently. Um, the uh, um, But that being said, what happens is, is uh, uh, for a while, I wasn't selling the guitars because it was public. In other words, I, I didn't want to be deceptive in selling the guitars. Um, but also I didn't want you guys to think negative things about the companies when I'm selling the guitars. Cause to be honest with you, sometimes I'm selling the guitars because it's great. I enjoyed it for a year or two, but now it's time to move on. Realistically, it's, it's, I can't own all these guitars. I don't physically have the space. It's just, it's just silly. Uh, so, and I can't play them all. Here's the thing. And that's where you're another thing. How do you maintain and keep all these guitars? It's simple. If I don't play a guitar, it's got to go. Uh, like I said, it has to have a huge sentimental value. So I, like I said, I, Try to play all these guitars. It's fun. It's fun to try them out and do stuff. But I've, I've always said, and I'm, I'm just probably getting bored now, I still play the same three all the time. Although I will tell you, without a doubt, the guitar that's in circulation right now, the one I'm playing the crap out of is that Les Paul Light that's behind me right there. That through my basic Dirty Shirley, that's my slash in a box tone, and I'm just playing that like crazy. i wishing I had a... I have a slash wig. I should probably get it out with the top hat. That would be really pathetic but fun <laughs> i can reminisce what hair was like and play rock all right so um so next one has come from rasha rasha says thoughts on hyatt tube a series amps high watt sorry not hyatt i'm thinking the hotel uh high watt tube series amps low watt high watt uh contradiction <laughs> five watt head not a bad price um the, the ones I've tried are cool. I'm not a huge, massive fan of them because I haven't had a ton of exposure to them. They are definitely, High Watt is definitely one of those companies that's respected. I know they make some more affordable stuff. Literally, I've probably played two or three of their amps over the years. The impressions were always like, oh, that's, that was cool, but nothing that made me pull the trigger and buy one. So that's my thoughts. But again, there's nothing negative. So sometimes it's cool when I talk about these. Maybe if some people have one, you could chime in and tell, you, uh, tell them what you like about it. Um, there are a lot of companies like that. You wish deep down those are the companies that could reach out and send you some product to review and check out and really give you guys some exposure, some new and interesting products. But uh, when you go to the NAMM show and you talk to companies like that, they seem like they don't understand what this is yet. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean send it to you? You're like, yeah, you send it to me and I'll, I'll do a video and you can we can send it back. And they're just like, why would we do that? <laughs> You're like, I don't know, because you'll sell like $10,000 worth of them in a minute. I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the advantage is. Although I do know that they'll sell a lot of them. <laughs> so it says, uh, uh, Augustine says, Augustine, Augustine. Uh, sorry, man. Augustine says, hey, Phil, how much can I ask for a 1999 PRS McCarty in near mint condition? 
Uh, you know, I don't know. That's one of those things. Like, I mean, I can only generally give you guidelines, but what I can tell you is on reverb, they give you guidelines, but I will tell you with the reverb guidelines things, please double check their math. Their math is crazy sometimes. So if you guys go into reverb now and you set up an auction to sell something, uh, and it, it'll give you a range of things that it thinks you should sell it for. Um, I, you know, so, so it'd be like $75. You're like, oh, okay. And then I looked online and like, everyone was selling for 200 bucks. And I'm like, oh, I thought $75 seemed cheap. I'm like, well, I guess Reverb really wanted me to sell this like fast and quick for cheap. Um, and then sometimes it actually told me it was way, you know, it was telling me to put it at like 1800 bucks or something. Um, my nags, it was priced in the nags at 2,500. And I kept thinking the nags price should be two grand. So I put it to 2,500 is what I thought would be smart. And it was, it's not moving. It's been all week and there's no movement on it, which is, it takes a while. It's a guitar that expensive but i had to take it down to two grand so what i can tell you uh, uh that's a great idea if you're trying to sell something now look when you're trying to sell something like a 99 prs keep in mind this is what i want to remind you everybody now that's selling gear so this is my best advice when it comes to selling gear uh, especially used gear if it is something that is not made anymore, right? Like, or it's nostalgic or it's old or it's, uh, you know, something that's not readily available that you're, and if you're go on reverb and there's not 10 other people selling the same thing as you, always price it as high as you possibly think somebody will pay for it and wait to see with the offer button open because you never know, right? Um, you know, you'll never know when somebody will literally just pay your crazy asking price because they just want it so bad and it's the first time it popped up. So when you have something finite, uh, treat it like so. Treat it with, you know, again, you can always take an offer. People will sometimes, if you put it a little too high, people will send you an email going, you're asking a ridiculous price. But at least that starts a dialogue and you go, okay, what's your offer then? You know what I mean? Uh, but so, you know, be prepared. They're going to usually go, I don't have an offer. I just want you to let you know your price is too high. <laughs> but 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 at least at least you have an idea. So that's what I would do. Uh, and that's how you how you do it. Um, you can also go into Reverb and look at the completed sales. And you can do that on eBay too. But I use Reverb now and just sold items and look. The only thing I'd be, be aware of is I believe Reverb, and I could be wrong, but it seems this way. I believe Reverb does the same thing that eBay does that I hate, which is when you put an offer on something, it accepts the offer, but it puts the, the price as what it, what it was listed as. So sometimes things look like they sold for a lot more than they did which is probably okay when you're selling, but it sucks when you're buying because you can't get a real, so I can't get a real beat on it, but that's what I would do. Um, let's look at, uh, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing great. We have, okay. Um, hold on. I'm just looking for, looking for a question mark first. Ian says COVID diet equals beer time. Well, yeah, that that too. That's what I said. It's it's like I normally don't have fried chicken, beer, and cheesecake, but <laughs> it's it's horrible, right? It's a horrible thing. But apparently, you know what made was nice was I I, I read uh, that apparently that's a thing that that uh, you know it's normal for people when they're locked up and things aren't going great to go to comfort foods and eat crap and stuff. And, and like I said, to be honest with you, I was doing it like every, well, not everybody. I have some friends that lost weight. Like I said, Ralph lost weight. The Tone King, I think has lost weight uh, is what he told me when I was talking to him last, uh, you know, during COVID. So some people have lost weight. Good for them. Uh, me, I just threw on a few pounds and sat around and, 
wasn't feeling too good. <laughs> and uh, but I didn't know what else to do. It's uh, you know, here's the thing. And I, I'm not trying to make excuses, although I'm making excuses. So, you know, I was doing great up until COVID. I had a gym membership, which is now closed because of COVID. And again, I don't want to make my problems sound like they're much that big of a deal when they're not. But and before you go, hey, Phil, go outside. Just remember, it's 115 during the day and 103 at night. It's not the funnest thing to go out and experience uh, when you go outside. So um, now some people do it. That's because they're like, you know, they probably care about more about their health than I do, apparently, because apparently I'm like it's temperament between me sweating to death and caring about my health. So I just had to figure out how to exercise in the house. And then also, uh, like I said, I just, you know, ditched the the comfort food stuff. So um, it's working. It's good. Like I said, Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, TDH Nashville says I dropped 10 pounds from my belly to my butt. Yeah, I lost 10 pounds. Uh, am I at 10 pounds? I am. I lost 10 pounds so far. Um, but that's not really impressive because I think I gained 15. So I got to get, I got to lose, well, not quite. I got to lose almost like 13, 14 pounds to get back to where I was before COVID and then keep going. Ah. <sighs> Don't eat fried chicken, kids. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, crap. Uh, let's see. Christopher says, I gained 20 pounds, but I needed it. Well, you know, hey, my son, my son gained weight during this. That's something. Let me tell you, my son's six foot. I'm six foot. My son's six foot. My son is six foot. He's usually 125 to when he's pushing it, 130 pounds. He is now 140 pounds. <laughs> I know that's a, like a, a, a skinny a beanstalk, but I mean, that tells you something. My son was able to put on 15, 20 pounds during COVID and he's, dude, he's thin as a rail always. Um, uh, and it was, uh, I, I think for him, it was the, in fact, uh, I can tell you that's where I was putting on weight too, is because he was constantly, because, you know, we couldn't, you couldn't, you know, you know, you're cooking, but also you're going out to grab, you know, DoorDash or whatever, you know. And so my son, he would go get the food and bring it in. So he'd go to like the worst places and bring back that food. God bless him for that, but also, you know, not. Yeah, Sean Brooks says, Phil, just lay in a chair outside and you'll shed the pounds. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the heat is, uh, yeah, it's 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 good. You can steam it out. <laughs> um, PJ Makes Music says he had the same experience as your son. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, Christopher Yang says, I'm 146 now. So yeah, again, uh, it's, and then Michael, I'm just cause we might as well talk about this. Uh, Mitchell, sorry. Mitchell says he lost 10 pounds, but had to cut my head off to do it. Ah, oh, well, you know, you know, depends on how important that is. Um, uh, but yeah, so it's at different times. All right. So let's get back to guitar stuff. Um, uh, hold on. Um, Oh, Wanna Beetle. Hey, Wanna Beetle, how's it going? Uh, Wanna Beetle says, what is the uh, good remedy to uh, for a loose uh, trim bar on a Strat with a push-in arm? Uh, my my own arms fall off like my old He-Man action figures too. <laughs> nice. Uh, you should have, uh, it's in the Strat, it's a little weird. It's not so in your face, but what happens is push the tremolo in the, in the, in the, or push the the whammy bar, the tremolo bar, put it in the tremolo. And then what I want you to do is dive bomb it and look behind the trim. Uh, and uh, and uh, here, I don't have a Strat right here, but I have a Floyd type guitar. Whoops. And so basically what you want to do is do that. And see that block? Uh, for those on the podcast, I'm looking at a block. Uh, for that block, uh, on, your, whoops, on your Strat, on that block, 
you should see a small Allen uh, Allen key or an Allen uh, an Allen adjustable Allen wrench. You put in there and adjust that screw. Uh, that's it. That's what it should be. So it's just you just don't think it's there because it's underneath, <laughs> but it's there and it's facing towards the butt of the guitar. Um, so okay, let's uh, okay let's get back to hold on I got other stuff pinned as we probably have fifty streams going. Okay, we have, where did we leave off? We left off with Frank. Frank did a super chat for no reason. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. And uh, for you, I'll slurp some water, apparently. I didn't mean to slurp that. I'm sorry, guys. Steve Long Music says, hey, Phil, I want to swap the stock tremolo in my Jim Jr. Should I go with the Floyd Rose or do you suggest another tremolo? You have to measure it out, buddy. You do. Um, so with that bridge, uh, again, I haven't repaired one of those. I'm assuming it's probably not far off from what they're doing with the, the RG350s and stuff like that. If that's true, you need to correctly make sure that the spacing is correct for what bridge you're going to put in it because uh, otherwise you're going to have to pull those posts, uh, fill them, and redrill them and uh, put the new posts in. So uh, that be aware of that. So the measurement is, so there is going to be choices, limited choices of what you do. Just be aware of that. Don't buy the bridge without making sure that you know which bridge fits what. And um, it's an easy thing to resource and figure out in today's day and age with the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would probably type in Google, like, you know, modifying your Jim Jr. bridge. And I bet you'll come up with a, a, a stream of people who talked about it and said which bridges they went with. Um, me, usually I just have, I have a spec sheet downstairs that tells me all the bridge spacings for all the different brands. Um, and I would just measure your post and then it'll just, it tells me which one I can tell you which one we can order for you. Um, Grumpy Mike Guitar says, and why not? I'm not a big fan of GC, but they are the only music store near me. Would love to see more mom pops open up. Yeah, of course, of course. We, you know, uh, again, it's small businesses, definitely the backbone of most economies, you know, not only the United States, but other countries too. And another, a lot of other countries don't understand Guitar Center. Guitar Center is a very specific thing to us uh, here in the States. Um, in most countries, uh, I mean, obviously Canada has Long and McQuaid. I mean, there's other equivalents. I'm not saying that, but I mean, it's really like Guitar Center is really like the 10,000 pound gorilla in this industry. They, they, it, it, so it's weird that they're not like this, you know, huge flourishing company. It's weird. It's always a weird thing. Um, and see, Andy Adams says, Phil McKnight, let's talk. Let's talk the great guitar build off. Uh, Ben announced unofficial contest. So I purchased a kit, uh, picked a local kids music program. Awesome, man. That's great. Um, my video is not done, of course. <laughs> so, um, but like I said, I have a theme for mine and that's what I'm doing mine. I think that's what everybody's doing is they're picking a theme and going with it. I think that's what it's about, uh, is seeing what you can come up with. Um, my, I have a, again, this is what the thing about the build off thing that's tough is I I've done these events and it's not what's uh, the build off is, but I'm said I've done these events and what I've learned from doing things like this is I sh I wish I would have spoke up more when they were talking about this in the beginning. I didn't realize like they had never really done something like this and maybe I could have helped. And, and at the time, maybe I didn't even know I could help, but what I was going to say was it was probably a better idea to do this thing and then announce it because remember they don't it doesn't have to be in real time remember we can release content as we want so literally they could have had us all do it and then when we were all done told ben and the guys hey we're all done and then they go okay it starts on the first and then we all 
basically tell you guys it's happening and start releasing the footage and talking about it. Um, so it's kind of like we're all playing catch up right now. So that's kind of how I'm, I'm stuck. I feel bad because everybody's doing some good stuff. Texas Toast, uh, Brad, you know, uh, 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 Guns and Guitars are all releasing cool content. The problem is, is one, I don't really release part content. That's not something I'm, I, I normally do. And if I do, uh, here's here's the thing. This is where I have to uh, I have to take a, a what I know versus what I I don't know, I'm trying to put it. How do I put this? I know how this is going to go down for my channel. When I make a part one and a part two or a follow-up, the follow the follow-up always has way less views than the first one. So if I do my unboxing video, that will be my highest viewed video. And then when I do the next video, next video for me on my channel, every channel is different, but on my channel, the last video I make, which is going to be the most important one, telling you what it is and what the charity is and all that stuff, that'll have the least amount of views. So I really like to have just all my video be one encompassing video. And then if I need to put longer footage and stuff, I'll just give that to the patrons or I can put it on the second channel. Uh, so that's what I plan to do with that. So, I, but I hate that because deep down I see all these other smaller channels doing some great stuff. I want to, I shouldn't call them small channels, but you understand, un, unofficial people like you doing the thing. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be part of that community doing stuff too. You know, like this is what I did today. And this is what I did today. But like I said, I, I don't know how to release that because uh, I think part of the thing for me is I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing until it's done, especially since. Um, I think uh, I'm excited what I'm doing. I'm, I'm again. This has got to be for me too. So it's I'm doing something I've never done before, a theme I've never done before. So very cool. Uh, let's see. Chuck in music says. By the way, congratulations, Andy. I'm I'm excited that you're doing it. Uh, Chuck in music says my guitar center was not that bad, but they were a little low. I ended up selling three guitars there and bought a PRS CE24 for thirteen hundred dollars. That's a good. That's a good price, even used or new. That's good. Used is great. Used is a good price. New is, of course, an amazing price. Uh, they seem to have reduced staff, and the staff uh, there were working more hours. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like I said, that's why I said we're not out to gun down the Guitar Center. That's not the whole point of the vi today's video. It's more of an open discussion and, of course, talking about the issues because uh, let's, uh, let's us know, you know what I mean, what's going on with them. So uh, I'm curious. I'm curious to see, you know what I mean, uh, how this works for, out for them. This is a weird time for everybody. And you know, and let's be very clear. Uh, there's a lot of businesses that were in some kind of sort of distress before COVID and Guitar Center was definitely one of those businesses that seemed like they're in a lot of stress. Like I guess they seemed because, you know, there's the outside forces say Guitar Center is not doing well. When you talk to Guitar Center, they're, they're doing great. So obviously there's no agreement on how Guitar Center is doing. But regardless of that, there's still this opinion that says that they're not doing so great. And COVID, we know, no, you know, they're not doing great from COVID because a lot of places are not doing great from COVID. Um, Joseph says, uh, Phil, did you go down to the basement while at Bazaar Guitar? I did. And uh, legend has it there was all this good stuff. You know what? Uh, so when I went to Bazaar Guitar, this was, I want to say 2018. So it was two years ago. What happened was my father-in-law is a superintendent for an electrical company. So at that time he worked in Reno for... Uh, I want to say Facebook, maybe it was Amazon. Then he's in, went to New Mexico for, uh, I think that was Facebook. And so he moves around. He's on, you know, contract. He, he, he runs big projects. So when they were living in Reno, we went to visit them for Christmas. And I was there for one week. And I thought, hey, there's that bizarre guitar here. So I should go check it out. And so I went there with my son. And while I walk in the store, one of the employees said, hey, I know you. You're on YouTube. And I'm like, yeah. And they said, uh, you're hitting Polly. And I said, no. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't say that. Uh, and they said, man, you've gained weight. No, they uh, they, <laughs> no, they said, hey, you're Phil McKnight. And I said, yeah. And uh, they were very nice and pleasant. We had a little chat. And I bought a pedal from them. In fact, I bought my 63 uh, reverb pedal from them. And um, 
And uh, and then when I was when I was about to go, they're like, "Hey, you want to see the secret? It's not secret, but the basement." I said, "Yeah." So they took me down to the basement. I met the owner, who's very nice. Everybody was very pleasant. I heard stories about how they used to build Jackson guitars down there when Jackson had to move like their equipment down there. They told me those really cool stories. Um, I I took some probably phone video of it, and then uh, I got to see like the '59 Les Paul and 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 uh and check out some of the cool guitars and it was really cool right it's it's definitely like half the stuff was like really cool that you could probably afford if you you know saved your pennies and then some of the stuff was like yeah yeah i'd rather have a four-wheel drive you know <laughs> you know what i mean so but it was cool uh greg says hey phil cheers happy friday i got my new reverend uh monterey 390 awesome i love the bass uh i love the bass roll off can i mod other guitars to have it uh, have you done? Uh, have you seen it? Um, no, but I'm familiar with what you're talking about. And yes, you can do that. In fact, there are certain companies you can, uh, I'd have to look at specifically what they're doing. So some circuits are active. I'd have to know if it was an active or passive. I've never looked at that. But what I can tell you is uh, the great thing about guitar stuff <laughs> is if one company does it, anyone can do it because it's very rare that companies are specifically designing things specific to their instruments. Now, that being said, I don't want to get thrown on the bus because there, somebody's like, no, Reverend totally makes their own circuits. I mean, obviously, some companies have either make their own circuits or design stuff. That's an active circuit. If it's not an act, and even active circuit can be duplicated. Um, but when it comes to all the passive stuff, all that can be reverse engineered. You just look inside there and see which potentiometers, which capacitors, which resistors, what are they putting in place? How are they doing it? Um, it gets a little trickier sometimes with Fender because Fender's so big that they can order custom custom components, but even the components can be duplicated. So what I'm basically saying to you is that if it can't be specifically copied to detail, in other words, get that exact part, um, you could probably get so damn close because again, there's, it's not like some fields where I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not like Intel and they're made, you know, they do a $30 million clean room to make a product and there's no way the average guy can do that. I mean, most of the components in all these guitars are readily available now. And if not, I mean, you could figure out how they're doing it. So, uh, so that would be my guess on that. I'd have to look, I will look, um, I will look cause I'm curious now that I, that I know. Okay. Um, Hold on. Good time to drink water while I'm reading. All right. We have uh, Benjamin did the chip jar. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Jeff Parker says tip jar again. Or he said tip jar. But don't know why you're always spending my money. I <laughs> got my KYG hat. They are awesome hats. Ordered Spark Amp. And uh, but says not shipping till September. Ooh, okay. That's good to know. So they were like Johnny on the spot. So I... I got the vibe. I haven't been in communication with this, the Spark guys since since the, the since the time where you guys, if you saw the video where I said I put, you know, hey, I reached out and told them what you guys seemed upset that they weren't shipping, and then they gave me a response. Uh, Chris is the guy I deal with at at uh, at uh, uh, Spark at at uh, Positive Grid. Um, but uh, when I did the shout out. Uh, I don't. I didn't specifically do it, but when somebody asked me if I really liked it, and I still, like I said, it's over there, right there on my desk. And I'm still using it every day, and I like it. Uh, a ton of you guys were like, "I bought one too," and I was like, "Oh crap! I guess they sold a bunch on." I'd not say an accident. It just again, I wasn't trying to, you know, promote. Uh, well, I'm, I don't want to not promote. You understand what I'm trying to say? I didn't want to, you know, cause a a, a a surge. Although I guess that's good for them. But uh, so, um, so I guess they've been promoting really hard. Um, so maybe they're out. Um, 
So keep in mind. But September is only like a month away. So I guess that's okay. I know I saw something. So, you know, probably because I did the review of them and probably because we've talked about them. They come in my Instagram feed or maybe they're just in everybody's Instagram feed. And I keep seeing their little thing. So it's like only so much time left on the pre-orders and then the price goes up. What I will tell you about the amp is this. They have filled enough of the orders that I feel pretty confident saying that if you order one, you're pretty much going to get it. Although I can't guarantee anything. Like I said, don't work for them. So I can't tell you that, but I'm telling you what I've seen. I mean, I've seen enough of you guys. It seems like, you know, and everybody who's thrown a fit to get their money back, uh, who's told me, by the way, I've had a ton of people email me going, hey, Phil, uh, you know, they this I was unhappy and I asked for my money back. I've always been, I've always answered those emails saying, hey, did, did you get your money back? And every time they're like, yes. And I go, okay, great. Because I don't want to hear that they're keeping people's money. So, but I will tell you this. Uh, if you're going to get one, if you're thinking about getting one, I'd get it when it's not $300 because it's cool but it's going to cooler when it's 225 or whatever. Um, oh, man. Hanner Gunson says, can't go to honeymoon, so I'll buy you a beer instead. Man, I appreciate that, Hanner. And you bought me two of them. Uh, you got married? So you got congratulations, man. That's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy to hear that. And then it's also, um, it's, you know, it's a reminder. You know, my daughter's turning 16 and, uh, you know, and these these are the events that you know because of COVID. Yeah, she's not going to have any kind of crazy cool sixteen year old birthday party because we're all trapped in a house. And and uh, and like I said, we had a, a huge our huge vacation was this year, the one we've been planning for the last four years, saving up for, and it's canceled, which is to go to Ireland. That was our big deal. My son, when he turned twenty one, said he wanted to go to Ireland. That was his thing. Uh, he wanted to have his first beer in Ireland. And uh, for no particular reason, there's no like <laughs> no reason to do it other than he just thought it'd be cool. And um, so what's my point? My point is, is, um, you know, so, yeah, so I it sucks that, you know, I'm happy you got married. But, yeah, it sucks you don't get the honeymoon. So thank you for buying me a beer. I feel guilty. I should buy you a beer. Man, I'll figure out how to do that. Um, Voodoo Fist says, are you still open to doing some guitar repairs uh, for us here in the KYG Nation? As long as we pay for the shipping both ways, are you willing to wait until your schedule permits. So, uh, so like I said, I've been catching up on all the repairs, doing the stuff. I was not, and I, I kept trying to not do any repairs that are shipped to, to me. Um, I have done a few shipped repairs and, uh, the experience is very, and it's a very tricky thing. So, um, so Voodoo Fist, especially since, thank you for the really large super chat, by the way, that was really, really cool. Um, uh, the answer is not no. I just need to figure that out. You know, because the problem is, is this. Here, there's more to this the problem than you think. I know, what you're, I know what you guys are thinking. You're thinking like, oh, well, why would you send something to get sh uh, shipped and, and get fixed, you know, fixed or set up or whatever? Look, I, I've done it. I've, I've, I've had people ship me stuff. Obviously, you know, the Sharp Maxes show that. I've set them up, done stuff, send back. I've done it for other customers too. The problem, of course, is not just the shipping expenses, which really make it almost not worth dealing with for you, for you, not for me, for you. But the other thing too is, you know, I don't like shipping things back. So if somebody ships me a guitar in a box, I don't like to ship the guitar back in the same box. The boxes lose their integrity as they get shipped. So the the next shipment on that box, you shouldn't. You, I use shipped boxes like when boxes get double shipped. I use those as like an outer shell for a box or an inner shell for a box. My point is, is that I need to have a supply of boxes. There's a lot to work out with this. And although I was kind of working towards something like that, then COVID happened. So to be honest with you, everything's got to be pinned until we figure out what's going on with covid because it's already been hard enough trying to do i just started doing repairs two weeks ago or has it been three weeks ago whatever it's been a couple weeks now and it's been 
I'm learning the hard way. It's taken forever because the process of, you know, making sure you're not, you know, breathing on people and we have masks and we stay at the distance and the guitars are wiped down and, you know, everything's, it's just a lot. It's a lot of stuff. It's not moving the way I would hope. And, uh, but we're getting there. Um, and trust me, I, I'd like to get back to it. I, I think I, I, I go, I don't want to say this out loud because it just, it makes it more real. But I, I think what we figured out is like, because I've been shut down now for so long, it's like 20 grand is what I've lost so far this year. Now, don't get me wrong. I got guitars and I have YouTube and I have other revenue streams, but the repair business has been just a nightmare uh, because of COVID. So, um, and so, you know, it's going to boom because as soon as I opened back up and started doing repairs, it just started taking off because people have been buying guitars this whole time during COVID. But again, it's just slow moving because of the, to adhere to all the safety concerns. Um, so, uh, Oh, Bill Spruce says, Wednesday Hangout was awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you, uh, Bill. I appreciate that. I had a blast, too. Uh, ben says, streaming from my 10 by 20 storage unit. Okay. Oh, where my buddy and I can rehearse 24-7. Lots of bands in Nashville got beers and guitars. Cheers. Oh, very cool. That's very cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Using a storage unit, too. Uh, you know, here we... Uh, we have, you know, they have facilities where we have band practice and stuff, but the storage units, you'd have to have air-conditioned ones because it's so freaking hot here. Uh, David says, SG with P90s, your thoughts? I see one behind you. Yeah, my thoughts is I like it. It's right there. It's a, that's a SG with P90s. I haven't, it's a used one. It's 2005, I think. might be a 2004. I have to look it again. Um, so I got it. Uh, traded it for at Zim's. I traded two guitars for it. Uh, that was an impulse buy. Went in there to do something. I think I went in for strings. I don't know what I went in for. And I picked it up and started playing it. And I said, well, got to have this. You want to do some trading? And he, so we traded. We horse traded. We traded some guitars for it. So uh, ended up with that. Uh, in fact, uh, so you guys know, officially, I just uh, was laughing about this. Officially, I own more Gibsons than the other brand of guitar now. So uh, I don't consider myself a Gibson fan per se, but it is funny. Like that's the majority of guitars I own now are Gibsons because I acquired a couple Gibsons and even though I just shed off a Gibson. Uh, Michael, what's up, Michael? Uh, he says, I'm thinking of doing a Warmoth build. I kind of know how to solder. Uh, I have a screwdriver. Can I slap the parts together and rock? Or am I in for... No, man, no. Look, let me let me give you guys the best advice I could ever give you. And this is old advice I've given before when it comes to building kits and doing stuff like this. If you start with good components, it's easy, right? 90% of a kit build, the 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 the, the hassle is fixing the crap that they do wrong, which is why sometimes I always suggest you guys taking like a Squire or a guitar that's already built and repairing on it, right? Sometimes the kits can lead you down horrible ways. And here's what I mean by that. Even though some people, I've had this argument before, people are like, no, I had a kit and I put it together and it's great. And I go, yeah. And I pick up the guitar and I go, this plays like crap. You know what I mean? And it sounds horrible. And I'm, and again, I'm always, you know, take the, the high road and always like, I polish that for just for the video for now. It's not worth giving the polishing, but for them, I'd be like, Oh, I understand your effort and I'd polish it. But realistically it's crap. And I said, but it's not your fault. You can only, you can only build as good as the stuff that you had, the materials you have. So Michael, to answer your question, no, man, if you get a warmoth neck and a warmoth body and you know, like you said, you, you need a few things, a screwdriver, um, you know, that's a really cool, that's a really cool idea uh, for a video, uh, Michael. And Michael does great videos. If you guys don't know Big Harry Guitars, I've shouted out before. I'll put a link in the description. Some of the best videos on YouTube. I'm not just saying that, right? Um, but 
Uh, you know what, Mike, is I would, uh, I don't know if you go by Mike. I'll just keep calling you Michael. Michael, um, that would be a great video for you to do. Um, I would be happy to send you a list of the minimum tools you would need. And then you can put the video together and, and not do like a, a detailed build video, but show people, uh, yeah, this is what you need. Um, but no, it absolutely can be done, especially with companies like Warmouth stuff where the, 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 the body is going to be great. You can spec out a few things. Um, here's the great thing about Warmoth that I like. Um, and this, so you know, Michael, this is one of the things I really like about them. Some of the things that are a little tricky to deal with, like maybe sometimes installing the bridge, maybe for a first timer, that's a little tricky. You, if you buy the bridge from them, or if you send them your bridge that you're going to use, they'll ins ins install the studs. So the bridge is there. And, uh, and when it comes to putting a nut on a guitar, it's, it's a simple thing, man. It's so cheap. I tell everybody the same thing. Get yourself like five nuts. Right, either prefab, Graftex, or our our blanks. Get five, and and then make one. And if it's wrong, throw it in the trash and make another one. They're not that expensive. It's a it's the easiest thing to to do. And 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 all nuts on all these guitars, uh, unless you're going with a Floyd Rose style guitar. But all nuts on the guitars usually, like I said, some people like the two dot uh, th uh, method, which is two micro dots of super glue, one on each side, just enough to hold it in. That's not my preferred method, but tons of people use it. In fact, uh, some of the repairmen that I I totally uh, respect and, and admire do it that way. I use uh, type on one glue, uh, just a little bit, you know, let it, everything seep out. And, and I like it because sometimes it'll fill in some spots and then I can wipe it off with a damp cloth and no man. Yeah, do it. I'd say, yeah, do it for sure. It's great stuff. So, um, Haas 316 says I overheard an employee at guitar, Oh, Chandler guitar center, discouraging a customer from buying a Mitchell, which I found interesting. You know, you're not, that's not actually very unique. I was at the guitar center in Tempe and an employee told a customer not to buy a Mitchell. Uh, so my guess is, <laughs> and, and here's a guess, uh, here's a guess. My guess is they probably receive a, a benefit for selling the Mitchell, which is why that's probably more interesting than not. Like in other words, there might be a spiff or a deal if they sell a Mitchell because it's their brand. So them discouraging somebody from buying it. Um, is uh you know even more you know interesting to know but here's what i i, I probably you know kind of believe uh, you know a lot of people are like you know the guitar center employees look we we know we everybody said it guitar center employees don't know stuff that's not entirely true i know some guitar center employees that could know way more than me and i can go to them because you know hey you know it, it's at home depot too by the way the guitar center is not unique to the situation people go into home depot and they're like they don't know anything and then meanwhile you know uh you know, I have a friend who's who's a uh, a really accomplished carp carpenter, and he retired, and so he works at Home Depot part time. And people don't realize when they walk up to him, he's he's built million dollar houses. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's the bolts are over there. Trust me, the guy can help you. So um, th there's always going to be skill set and everywhere. But more importantly, what you'll find is is that um, most people, like I said, inherently good and want to do the right thing. And uh, if the if they know that there's a better purchase than the Mitchell, they're going to recommend that. And uh, I, I, just like you, I was at Tempe and I heard a, uh, a guitar center employee and he basically said the Mitchells, you know, the, the customers aren't really digging them. They're not really great, you know, for the value, whatever reason his logic was. And he was steering them towards a different product. There might've been a nefarious motive behind that. I didn't know. Maybe he gets a spiff if he sold Squire because that also happens. Like I said, we, I'm trying, not trying to pin, pigeonhole anybody, but give you the information. So, you know, 
Fender, Gibson, uh, and companies like that do give spiffs. They do give things. Like Fender will, will do something sometimes called Fender Bucks, where basically for every Fender you sell or Squire, like for every dollar the guitar is worth, they give you what's called Fender Bucks. So if, if a Guitar Center employee sells like $10,000 worth of Fender, at the end of the contest, they'll have 10,000 Fender bucks and then they can use the Fender bucks to buy Fender products at retail. So it's not the, you know, so not unlike you and me, you can buy a Fender American Strat for, you know, $1,500 is the street price, the map. Uh, they have to pay the 2,000, the marked up, you know, uh, price. If there's a marked up price, um, American ones don't have the, the fake mark up anymore, but you understand what I'm saying. So they could have been doing that. There's, there's like I said, but inherently I'm gonna go with, I think it was probably just the employee trying to take good care of the customer because they know that's, that's the that's the bigger benefit if you take good care of the customer you have like the saying goes customer for life but more importantly guitar business is a business of return customers look at this room <laughs> it i i get frustrated and i and i and i think you guys too when i'm dealing with a business that doesn't understand that i'm not just buying one guitar i am a going to buy another guitar the likeliness of me buying another guitar before i die pretty good I've even said I wasn't going to do it again because it doesn't matter if I say that it's, it's going to happen. So, so you're in a business that essentially is you're, you know, you're starting the, you know, the starting the ball rolling. So uh, it's really good to hear. I'm good. To, I'm glad you, you heard that. Cause like I said, I've heard something similar. And like I said, other than maybe the SPIF program, I think it's probably for the best reasons. Uh, Alex says, how do you feel about the hip shot kick-ass bridge on the new Squire classic vibe seventies bass? Will I hear a noticeable difference? So um, the hip shot kick-ass bridge, I believe uh, what happened was, and again, I'm just going off of, of something I think I understand. Um, the uh, um, the the Badass 2 bridge, the Leo Leo Kwan Badass and Badass 2 bridges, I think, did he die? I don't know what happened. Something happened. All of a sudden there was no more Badass bridges anywhere. And I don't know if Fender bought the, the ability to do that or if hip shot did it or if now that the maybe the just the the the, the patent wore off or what happened but now he's making a version of that um a lot of players really like those heavy mass bridges uh they claim it gives more bass sustain and more stuff uh so they, they, to answer your question do i feel you know uh a noticeable difference i don't feel that there's a inherently huge noticeable difference uh, again, it's not something I would go, oh man, sustains for days. But that being said, I have installed heavy mass bridges for customers. And I would say nine out of 10 of them, when they pick it up, went, oh, there it is, Phil, you did it. But each time I'm like, oh yeah, it's a little bit more, right? Uh, so it's not something I can necessarily say I buy into heavily. Um, it, de it definitely doesn't hurt the situation and it probably does help. But it's, you know, to me, to me, stuff like that is important. But it's not the end all be all for me. My uh, jazz deluxe bass, the main bass I play, has a has the bent cheap bridge, and I've never felt the upgrade the need to upgrade it to a heavier mass bridge. But uh, you know, so there you go. Uh, but if it's already on the guitar, it's already on the bass. It's already on the bass. So why not do it? Uh, Reggie Wooten, hey Reggie, he says pass it for the collection plate. You guys are funny. Okay, um, what else? And then we got, uh, John says, hey, Phil, I got a chip on a colored poly finish. Any suggestions for an easy fix? I tried to glue, I tried to glue it. Okay, that's usually some, one of the best ways to do it. Try to glue the, no success. I got epoxy in pigments, but after polish, the epoxy doesn't look uh, homogenous with the finish. Um, like I said, I'm not a finish guy. I have fixed chips and guitars 
micro, you know, issues with guitars, it's easier to work with wood. <laughs> lacquer is always easier to work with for guys like me that don't do finish work because I can I can patch lacquer very easily. Um, uh, it's an easier thing to to mess with after the fact, but for me, polyurethane gets a little tricky. Um, so I, I wish I could give you advice on that. I'd hate to give you advice on that just because, like I said, all the tricks I've done, when it comes to finished work, if it's that important, I send it off to someone who does finished work. So, again, it's not where I've kind of spent some time doing finish uh, painting. Um, hold on, I'm just rechecking. Re I mean, so you know, there's all kinds of tricks like putting food coloring in super glue, and then, you know, I mean, you'd be shocked what they use to do it. Um, and uh, also, I don't know what kind of guitar it is. So also keep in mind, the more expensive, more valuable guitar, the more I, the more I tell you not to do that kind of stuff. Um, Dan Watson did a super chat for no reason. I appreciate that. Richard says, hey, Phil, happy Friday. Recently fell in love with P90s. Uh, ever try a bridge P90 with a neck humbucker? Um, no, not neck. Yeah, maybe in the Somnium guitar I've done all stuff. The the new the new Somnium uh, video is uh, I think it's it might be out tomorrow. It depends. It's definitely not going to be out by Sunday like last Sunday's video, uh, which is the ultimate Tele neck pickup video where I'm going to do the P90, the Filtertron, the traditional uh, Telecaster neck, a humbucker, and a mini humbucker, uh, all five pickups, and compare them to see you know why people combine that with the Tele bridge pickup, um, but. Um, uh, but no, with that guitar, I've done every kind of combination now too. And now that I have all the pickups, so I've been saying this for weeks that I've been waiting for the pickups. They showed up this week. So I went and installed the stuff. So, um, I have to not only finish that video, but I have to, now I had a three other Somnium videos, uh, where I had pickup stuff done, but I didn't want to do them until I had this other stuff. So I have to edit now in that stuff so that you guys, I just knew that the videos weren't complete without the, all the information. Uh, Jack's Guitar Planet says, Hey, Phil, what tuner should I use to set intonation? I have tried several, and whenever I hit the 12 fret notes, the tuner moves up and down. Thanks. I like Peterson tu tuners, uh, especially now that you can get them affordably. You can buy the Peterson uh, foot pedal tuner. I think it's $100. It might be $150, but I think you can pick them up. If not, you can get uh, all kinds of Peterson tuners for about $100. bucks. literally amazing as uh is uh, you know that's what i use so that's what i use um for tuners i have you know typical tuners like i have every tuner everybody else has i have uh, clip-on tuners i have uh, but i peterson tuner is what i use uh i just like it it's accurate as hell it's great it's more accurate than you need it's kind of loosely said that way um i i know somebody's probably rolling their eyes right now like i just rolled my eyes because i'm sure those guys out there going but i need it to be specific Peterson tuner, industry standard for sure. Try that, uh, and uh, go oh go used on them. By the way, check out Reverb for a used tuner, right? Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'll put a link because if you do the link, uh, Reverb will kick me like one percent or something. That's a good way. Uh, these affiliate links are great ways to support channels. Uh, you buy whatever you want for the price you were probably going to pay anyways, and they kick a percent back to the to the channel. And uh, hey, it's cool. That's right. It's, no, it's, it's a no brainer. Uh, Gypsy says, hey, Phil, could you wish my dad, Thomas, a happy birthday? Oh, early birthday. Happy birthday, Thomas. How are you doing? So happy birthday. It's a, a happy birthday. I hope you have a I hope you have a, a, a good birthday. I was going to say have a steak, but I'm like, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not a steak. For me, birthday is like a steak dinner. It's like a so that's silly. I don't know if that's really silly, but 
That's what I get when I, on my birthday, it's steak dinner. Uh, Justin, hey, Justin, it says tip jar. Hey, I appreciate that. Justin, what I decided to do with your package of cool stuff is somebody sent me a really cool thing in the mail with a card, and I'm not going to talk about that. As I decided next week, I'm going to start the show just going over some of the stuff that came that's came in in the last month or two from you guys that's really cool and just share that with you guys. Because um, I've been trying to do it at the end, and it's just not going to work because we run long, and so it's... Uh, it's a dessert first is basically do the eat the dessert first, I guess. Right. If you that way, you know, it's going to get done. Uh, Zach man, 23 fool says, Hey, Phil, I'm looking into purchasing a Rickenbacker 4001, 4001 or 4003. Any recommendations? I want one to sit next to my jazz bass far. Sorry. If the, this shows up twice, YouTube glitched. No problem. Uh, so obviously I don't, the 401 over the 403, which one do I recommend? I like the 4003, uh, but they're both really cool and they're killer basses. Rickenbacker is like, I don't know why I don't own a Rickenbacker bass. That's like, that's the one bass I've never owned. Uh, and so, you know, I've set up so many of those things because a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good repair guys, uh, you know, can do them no problem. But uh, uh, where I was at, or am at there's not a lot of whole lot of by me so um the dual trust rods freak people out <laughs> so so that's but that being said a jazz bass and a rickenbacker bass i think you got it set man it's really cool so i wish now you're thinking make me thinking like maybe i need a rickenbacker bass <laughs> um all right uh let's see tard sir done something a bunch of letters and a bunch of numbers says got to use axe with a push pull tone knob but previous owner Eft reinstall, pull up is humbucker, push is single, easy fix. Should I even bother? Super easy fix. So super, 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 super easy. Ready? When you look in there, just pull the compartment off. I, you know, I don't know if it's a strat or if it's another guitar where you have a component, but get get the, the door, you know, pull the pick guard off or pull the back door off to look inside. You'll see I don't have one with me but I don't need it. That's how easy this is. You'll have your potentiometer and then underneath there, you'll have a little box and the box will have three rows of terminals. There'll be six terminals like this sticking out. And essentially the middle terminals, which <laughs> are going to be usually what the, the, uh, 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 pickups are, are the, uh, those wires are connected to. And then the, the bottom row and the top row are going to be grounded to something. So whatever it is, swap that. So leave the middle there. You'll see it coming off the pickup. You'll see something coming off the pickup going to the middle terminal. Take the top of the bottom. If whatever it's doing, just switch that terminal. Desolder it. Do it there. It should take you all the five seconds. Um, do yourself a favor. If you're not really savvy with this, take your cell phone out. Take a picture of it first. So that way, whatever you do, you can put it back the way it was. It's no problem. But no, this is super easy, man. Uh, a lot of these components are a little either or, right? The way a push-pull pot works is essentially it's it's super, super easy. It's basically, as, as it goes down, it connects to a, a row of terminals. And when you pull up on it, it connects to another row of two terminals, right? Like this, right? It's going to go with this, and then it's going to go down to this. So essentially, whatever it is, swap it. 50-50 chance to get it right. <laughs> now, uh, and that's going off again. I'm going to reread this just to make sure. It says push tone knob. Okay, so basically you're saying, I get what you're saying. It's a stuck on single coil. you got to pull it up for humbucker. You're just swapping the terminals. That's all. Super easy. Um, there you go. Okay. That's going to go in more, but I think the more I talk, the more I'll probably confuse you. So we'll keep it easy. And then, uh, and then these are the last two super chats. So I'm going to read these real quick and then, 
And then uh, it's uh, Matt. Matt says it's Maddie. Maddie to Maddie two hats. Two hats. Oh, Maddie two hats. Gotcha. Maddie two hats says, "What guitars would you start collecting if you started your collection today?" Oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, first rule, of course, buy what you love. That's the most important thing when it comes to collecting guitars. Um, and there's two two thoughts. So what would I do? So again, you said, what guitars would I start collecting, right? What guitars would you start collecting? So I'm not giving a suggestion to you. I'm going to tell you what I would do. Again, if I was going to start collecting guitars right now. Uh, you know, I usually pick a, 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 a thing. So I would pick a thing. Um, what I mean by that is, um, you know, like... A, a, st a type of guitar. So like to me, a fun type of guitar to collect would be inexpensive uh, American made guitars. That would be fun. That would be a fun thing to collect. Uh, very reasonable. Starting a collection. When you start a collection, don't start a collection unless you got money. If you got money, do whatever you want. Life is your oyster. Good for you. But for the rest of us that only have collections because of 25 years of switching and trading and you know, moving money around and stuff, right? This is how I get a collection like this. There's no, like, I can't stroke a check for all these guitars. It's literally, this is the last 25 years of my life just doing stuff. But uh, what's my point? My point is, uh, if I was going to start collecting, I sure as hell wouldn't start with like, oh, I think I'll get all the most expensive guitars I can because unless I had money and I don't. So what I would probably do is find something uniquely cool to collect that's fun it lets me ed get educated about it. But more importantly, it allows me to sell them later at a profit dividend and, and, and let me trade up and again, do, do what I did the first time again. So one of the things I would probably look at is like, you know, looking for those American uh, highway strats or, you know, some of those satin finished Gibsons or Godins or, or, you know, like I said, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about how horrible the Godin resale value is. As you guys know, I'm a huge Godin fan, but every time about resale value, well, absolutely. You can buy uh, a New Hampshire made Godin uh, re red line for like 200 bucks just look for the good deal you'll find it they're good deal with 400 bucks but you can pick one up for i have 200 bucks i think there's one on my craigslist right now for 200 bucks it's a it's got probably an emg in it the emg is worth 50 to 75 dollars right um uh, maybe old pv guitars that are usa made again finding but get deals on them find not just buy them because they're the cheaper version of let's say a fender or a gibson or the high-end guitars, but literally find those really interesting guitars that they don't make anymore. That's what I would collect right now if I was collecting because they're out there and people just don't seem to know about them. Or they do, but they're not valuing them yet. But what's great is sometimes you get one and you flip it and then you know you find the right one and you move up. And so, yeah, that's what I would do. So stuff like that, especially since I think that stuff's going to continue to go in value. Look, we're looking at a, a world, not in the future. We're not talking 20 years from now. We're looking at a world now where it's $1,500 for Indonesian made guitars. It's just what we're looking at. That's the thing. And and everybody's going to have mixed feelings about that. Some are negative about it. Some are positive about it. I don't really want to talk about that. That's everybody's individual issues to deal with. What I'm basically getting at is, is that uh, what I know to be true, what's interesting to collect for me and what probably has more value later, in my opinion, is things that are unique. So inexpensive American-made guitars are unique because there's no real desire to do that anymore. You know what I mean? Everything's going to be about expensive American guitars. So that would be a fun thing to do. And they don't have to be American-made. Maybe just find 
really cool versions of things. You know what I mean? Japanese made guitars are really good. Again, again, it's squirm for deals. Find funny. Like, like I said, you can buy a Japanese made Jackson Dinky or, uh, you know, for sometimes you can score one in a, in a, you know, black, a black one for like 250 bucks, 200 bucks, 200 bucks for a guitar that essentially, essentially you can find that same guitar, not the brand Jackson, but, but you could go in a store right now and there's a $2,000 Ibanez. And the reason it's $2,000 because it's crafted in Japan. Yet I can buy a used Japan made guitar. That's basically the same guitar, same type maple neck, same uh, alder body, same type of fret material, same kind of pickups, and it's $200? Look, that's a, that's a fun guitar to collect. And you have something unique to show your friends because that's about collecting. Collecting is, is about doing something with your money and time that's, that's hopefully productive, right? Especially now, since it's hard to go go places and do stuff with your money and be productive by going places. But, you know, instead of buying alcohol or doing drugs or whatever else that you're supposed to do that's, you know, that's not a good idea, uh, you could do this. And that's some fun. So that's what I would do. I think that'd be fun. So that's my that's what I would do. And then uh, Shinnery Kid, Shinnery Kid says living in a faculty apartment now and people will be teaching from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So I can't use my amps. What is an affordable way to get into modeling, uh, modeling question mark acts effects? Uh, you know, I, dude, I hate to say this because it's, you know, controversial of the shipping thing. But, dude, that that positive grid is like just kills at, at uh, for a home practice situation. That's really cool. I don't think you need it. If you have a laptop today's in today's world, if you're going to use your headphones and you can't use an amp uh, modeling, look, Axe effects are great. Kempers are great. However, if you have a laptop, just get the software and just plug into it. You can do that. No problem. Right. You can get positive grid software. You can get all kinds of software. You can get anything. Just you know, get a little. Um, I have I did want to review on those Exonic pedals. Uh, sick. You get one of those pedals for 100 bucks, 150 bucks. Plug it in your computer. That's your interface. Play guitar. It's it's uh it's amazing. What I love about that, so you know, well, I think I was clipping my mic. What I love about that is not only is it inexpensive and it sounds fantastic. I mean, just look at guys like the pick uh not Pixie Licks. There's no such thing as Pixie Licks. Steve from Boston. He uses uh, software on his computer all the time. There's no arguing that that tone isn't fantastic. He gets great tones out of that stuff. Um, so what I like about that stuff is there's an, also another benefit to using software in your computer as you and an interface for your guitar tone if you can't play loud amps and if you're not collecting amps or doing stuff like that. The advantage is not just that it's there and it's headphones, but the advantage is that it's also so easy at that point to go ahead and load in some drum loops and record and start making music. Um, when I play amps, when I play, not amps, when I play for my enjoyment, I plug into something like this Friedman amp and I'll plug in my Les Paul like I did yesterday. I played for like three, four hours. I literally didn't get some stuff done yesterday. It was important to do. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not typically like that. Even my wife's like, wow, I can't believe you just played for like four hours. I played for four hours yesterday. Straight. No, no stop. Four hours. I was just playing. I enjoyed that amp and that guitar. One guitar, one amp, just playing. No pedals, no nothing. Just bliss that was for me in that experience when i'm most productive when i'm playing it's not when i'm sort not picking up guitars and not doing amps it's whenever i'm plugging into some software you literally think of this stuff as tools okay okay and some of the tools are different but for me if you really want to be productive um get it getting get it integrated in your computer 
with some kind of software and some kind of interface will literally make you a productive musician. In today's day and age, uh, it's literally, it's, it's how it's done. Uh, you just plug in and you make music. And I highly recommend that. Especially, like I said, if you can't play loud amps, who cares? Stuff sounds amazing in your headphones, especially with a drum track and playing. You can add a, a bass in there and do all kinds of stuff, make a song and play along to that. It's fantastic. Um, better than anything else. In fact, uh, I'll use, uh, when I use uh, uh, bass, uh, not bass tracks, ba uh, backing tracks. I play along to backing tracks. A lot of times hits on my, you know, I don't like headphones, as I've said, but in recording, um, I've kind of learned for recording, I'm more of a headphone guy than the studio monitors. It has nothing to do with anything. Um, but I do lock the doors so they don't scare the crap out of me. Because like I said, I don't like when people tap me on the shoulder when I'm in my little world. <laughs> so there you go. All right. That was good. It was a good show. I hope you guys had fun. Um, like I said, uh, Unfreaking Believable just said for fried chicken and beer. And, uh, and Jim did an overtime tip. I appreciate you guys so much for doing that. And then everyone else, uh, today was a high day, man. Was, I think we hit, I can't get back to my screen. I think we hit like 1,350 people. It's a lot of people. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me this Friday. I hope you guys had a good time. Uh, I did. And, uh, like I said, I'll index the show after, as soon as we're done, it takes me about an hour and a half. I'll do that. And everyone else have a great weekend. Look for the video, the next video I have coming out, which will be, oh, the ultimate telly. I got to think of a cool title. I don't know what to call it. I, it's the ultimate telly pickup challenge, which, you know, basically trying to figure out what's the best neck to pick up to put in a telly and why pick, people pick those different ones. Uh, and, uh, and uh, so I'm excited about that video. And then, of course, hopefully the Twin Sister video soon. It's whenever it officially comes out is when I think it, it gets released. I'm not sure. Uh, and definitely check out Michael's from Big Harry Guitars because his video will be better than mine. <laughs> but, but he doesn't have my cool haircut. So there's I got that going for me, which is nice. All right. On that note, thank you guys so much for your time. Until uh, next Friday. I'm, I try to do a bonus one this week on Wednesday. I'll try and do it again. I hate saying that because I probably won't get to do it. But if I do, look for that. As always, uh, I want to thank you guys uh, for hanging out. Till next Friday, thank you for your time and know your gear. <laughs>